Warrant. Under the Fourth Amendment, law enforcement must receive written permission from a court of law, or otherwise qualified magistrate, to lawfully search and seize evidence while investigating criminal activity. A court grants permission by issuing a written note as a warrant. A search or seizure is generally unreasonable and unconstitutional if conducted without a valid warrant and the police must obtain a warrant whenever practicable. Searches and seizures without a warrant are not considered unreasonable if one of the specifically established and well-delineated exceptions to the warrant requirement applies. These exceptions apply only in those exceptional circumstances in which special needs, beyond the normal need for law enforcement, make the warrant and probable cause requirement impracticable. In these situations where the warrant requirement doesn't apply a search or seizure nonetheless must be justified by some individualized suspicion of wrongdoing. However, the U.S. Supreme Court carved out an exception to the requirement of individualized suspicion. It ruled that, in limited circumstances, where the privacy interests implicated by the search are minimal and where an important governmental interest furthered by the intrusion would be placed in jeopardy by a requirement of individualized suspicion a search would still be reasonable. Probable Cause The standards of probable cause differ for an arrest and a search. The government has probable cause to make an arrest when the facts and circumstances within their knowledge and of which they had reasonably trustworthy information would lead a prudent person to believe the arrested person had committed or was committing a crime. Probable cause to arrest must exist before the arrest is made. Evidence obtained after the arrest may not apply retroactively to justify the arrest. When police conduct a search, The amendment requires that the warrant establish probable cause to believe the search will uncover criminal activity or contraband. They must have legally sufficient reasons to believe a search is necessary. In Carroll v. United States, 1925, the Supreme Court stated that probable cause to search is a flexible, common-sense standard. To that end, the court ruled in Dumbra v. United States, 1925, that the term probable cause means less than evidence that would justify condemnation, reiterating Carroll's assertion that it merely requires that the facts available to the officer would warrant a man of reasonable caution in the belief that specific items may be contraband or stolen property or useful as evidence of a crime. It does not demand any showing that such a belief be correct or more likely true than false. A practical, non-technical probability that incriminating evidence is involved is all that is required. In Illinois v. Gates, 1983, the court ruled that the reliability of an informant is to be determined based on the totality of the circumstances. Exceptions to the Warrant Requirement Consent If a party gives consent to a search, a warrant is not required. There are exceptions and complications to the rule, including the scope of the consent given, whether the consent is voluntarily given, and whether an individual has the right to consent to a search of another's property. In Schneckleth v. Bustamante, 1973, The court ruled that a consent search is still valid even if the police do not inform a suspect of his right to refuse the search. This contrasts with Fifth Amendment rights, which cannot be relinquished without an explicit Miranda warning from police. The court stated in United States v. Matlock, 1974, that a third-party co-occupant could give consent for a search without violating a suspect's Fourth Amendment rights. However, in Georgia v. Randolph, 2006, the Supreme Court ruled that when two co-occupants are both present, one consenting and the other rejecting the search of a shared residence, the police may not make a search of that residence within the consent exception to the warrant requirement. Per the court's ruling in Illinois v. Rodriguez, 1990, a consent search is still considered valid if police accept in good faith the consent of an apparent authority, even if that party is later discovered to not have authority over the property in question. A telling case on this subject is Stoner v. California, in which the court held that police officers could not rely in good faith upon the apparent authority of a hotel clerk to consent to the search of a guest room. Plain view and open fields.
according to the plain view doctrine as defined in Coolidge v. New Hampshire, 1971, if an officer is lawfully present, he may seize objects that are in plain view. However, the officer must have had probable cause to believe the objects are contraband. What's more, the criminality of the object in plain view must be obvious by its very nature. In Arizona v. Hicks, the Supreme Court held that an officer stepped beyond the plain view doctrine when he moved a turntable in order to view its serial number to confirm that the turntable was stolen. A search is a search, proclaimed the court, even if it happens to disclose nothing but the bottom of a turntable. Similarly, open fields such as pastures, open water, and woods may be searched without a warrant, on the ground that conduct occurring therein would have no reasonable expectation of privacy. The doctrine was first articulated by the court in Hester v. United States, 1924, which stated that the special protection accorded by the Fourth Amendment to the people in their persons, houses, papers, and effects is not extended to the open fields. In Oliver v. United States, 1984, the police ignored a no-trespassing sign and offense, trespassed onto the suspect's land without a warrant, followed a path for hundreds of feet, and discovered a field of marijuana. The Supreme Court ruled that no search had taken place, because there was no privacy expectation regarding an open field. Open fields do not provide the setting for those intimate activities that the amendment is intended to shelter from government interference or surveillance. There is no societal interest in protecting the privacy of those activities, such as the cultivation of crops, that occur in open fields. While open fields are not protected by the Fourth Amendment, the curtilage, or outdoor area immediately surrounding the home, is protected. Courts have treated this area as an extension of the house and as such subject to all the privacy protections afforded a person's home, unlike a person's open fields, under the Fourth Amendment. The curtilage is intimately linked to the home, both physically and psychologically, and is where privacy expectations are most heightened. However, courts have held aerial surveillance of curtilage not to be included in the protections from unwarranted search so long as the airspace above the curtilage is generally accessible by the public. An area is curtilage if it harbors the intimate activity associated with the sanctity of a man's home and the privacies of life. Courts make this determination by examining whether the area is included within an enclosure surrounding the home, the nature of the uses to which the area is put, and the steps taken by the resident to protect the area from observation by people passing by. The court has acknowledged that a doorbell or knocker is typically treated as an invitation, or license, to the public to approach the front door of the home to deliver mail, sell goods, solicit for charities, etc. This license extends to the police, who have the right to try engaging a home's occupant in a knock and talk for the purpose of gathering evidence without a warrant. However, they cannot bring a drug detection dog to sniff at the front door of a home without either a warrant or consent of the homeowner or resident. Exigent Circumstance Law enforcement officers may also conduct warrantless searches in several types of exigent circumstances where obtaining a warrant is dangerous or impractical. Under Terry v. Ohio, 1968, police are permitted to frisk suspects for weapons. The court also allowed a search of arrested persons in Weeks v. United States, 1914, to preserve evidence that might otherwise be destroyed and to ensure suspects were disarmed. In Carroll v. United States, 1925, the court ruled that law enforcement officers could search a vehicle that they suspected of carrying contraband without a warrant. The court allowed blood to be drawn without a warrant from drunk driving suspects in Schmerber v. California, 1966, on the grounds that the time to obtain a warrant would allow a suspect's blood alcohol content to reduce, although this was later modified by Missouri v. McNeely, 2013. Warden v. Hayden, 1967, provided an exception to the warrant requirement if officers were in hot pursuit of a suspect. A subset of exigent circumstances is the debated community caretaking exception. Motor vehicle. 
The Supreme Court has held that individuals in automobiles have a reduced expectation of privacy, because, 1. Vehicles generally do not serve as residences or repositories of personal effects, and, 2. Vehicles can be quickly moved out of the locality or jurisdiction in which the warrant must be sought. Vehicles may not be randomly stopped and searched, there must be probable cause or reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. Items in plain view may be seized, areas that could potentially hide weapons may also be searched. With probable cause to believe evidence is present, police officers may search any area in the vehicle. However, they may not extend the search to the vehicle's passengers without probable cause to search those passengers or consent from the passengers. In Collins v. Virginia, 2018, the court ruled that the motor vehicle exception did not apply to searches of vehicles parked within a residence's curtilage. In Arizona v. Gantt, 2009, the court ruled that a law enforcement officer needs a warrant before searching a motor vehicle after an arrest of an occupant of that vehicle, unless one, at the time of the search the person being arrested is unsecured and within reaching distance of the passenger compartment of the vehicle or two, police officers have reason to believe evidence for the crime for which the person is being arrested will be found in the vehicle. Search is incident to a lawful arrest. A common law rule from Great Britain permits searches incident to an arrest without a warrant. This rule has been applied in American law, and has a lengthy common law history. The justification for such a search is to prevent the arrested individual 1. from destroying evidence or 2. using a weapon against the arresting officer by disarming the suspect. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that both justifications for the search incident to arrest exception are absent and the rule does not apply when there is no possibility the suspect could gain access to a weapon or destroy evidence. In Trupiano v. United States, 1948, the Supreme Court held that a search or seizure without a warrant as an incident to a lawful arrest has always been considered to be a strictly limited right. It grows out of the inherent necessities of the situation at the time of the arrest. But there must be something more in the way of necessity than merely a lawful arrest. In United States v. Rabinowitz, 1950, the court reversed Trupiano, holding instead that the officer's opportunity to obtain a warrant was not germane to the reasonableness of a search incident to an arrest. Rabinowitz suggested that any area within the immediate control of the arrestee could be searched, but it did not define the term. In deciding Chimel v. California, 1969, the Supreme Court elucidated its previous decisions. It held that when an arrest is made, it is reasonable for the officer to search the arrestee for weapons and evidence. However, in Riley v. California, 2014, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that police must obtain a warrant to search an arrestee's cellular phone. The court said that earlier Supreme Court decisions permitting searches incident to an arrest without a warrant do not apply to modern cell phones, which are now such a pervasive and insistent part of daily life that the proverbial visitor from Mars might conclude they were an important feature of human anatomy, and noted that U.S. citizens' cell phones today typically contain a digital record of nearly every aspect of their lives, from the mundane to the intimate. Border Search Exception Searches conducted at the United States border or the equivalent of the border, such as an international airport, may be conducted without a warrant or probable cause subject to the border search exception. Most border searches may be conducted entirely at random, without any level of suspicion, pursuant to U.S. Customs and Border Protection Plenary Search Authority. However, searches that intrude upon a traveler's personal dignity and privacy interests, such as strip and body cavity searches, must be supported by reasonable suspicion. The U.S. Courts of Appeals for the Fourth and Ninth Circuits have ruled that information on a traveler's electronic materials, including personal files on a laptop computer, may be searched at random, without suspicion. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance The Supreme Court decision in United States v. U.S. District Court, 1972, 
left open the possibility for a foreign intelligence surveillance exception to the warrant clause. Three United States courts of appeals have recognized a foreign intelligence surveillance exception to the warrant clause, but tied it to certain requirements. The exception to the Fourth Amendment was formally recognized by the United States Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court of Review in its 2008 and redirectives decision. The lower court held that a foreign intelligence exception to the Fourth Amendment's warrant requirement exists when surveillance is conducted to obtain foreign intelligence for national security purposes and is directed against foreign powers or agents of foreign powers reasonably believed to be located outside the United States. Despite the foregoing citation the Fourth Amendment prohibitions against unreasonable searches and seizures nonetheless apply to the contents of all communications, whatever the means, because, a person's private communications are akin to personal papers. Fourth Amendment reasonableness is the point at which the United States government's interest advanced by a particular search or seizure outweighs the loss of individual privacy or freedom of movement that attends the government's action. The United Supreme Court said in Board of Education v. Earls, 2002, when special needs, beyond the normal need for law enforcement, make the warrant and probable cause requirement impracticable the reasonableness of a search is determined by balancing the nature of the intrusion on the individual's privacy against the promotion of legitimate governmental interests. Additionally in Illinois v. Lidster, 2004, the court explained in judging reasonableness it looks to the gravity of the public concerns served by the seizure, the degree to which the seizure advances the public interest, and the severity of the interference with individual liberty. To protect the telecommunication carriers cooperating with the U.S. government from legal action, the Congress passed a bill updating the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of 1978 to permit this type of surveillance. Schools and Prisons In New Jersey v. TLO, 1985, the Supreme Court ruled that searches in public schools do not require warrants, as long as the searching officers have reasonable grounds for believing the search will result in finding evidence of illegal activity. Similarly, in Sampson v. California, 2006, the court ruled that government offices may be searched for evidence of work-related misconduct by government employees on similar grounds. Searches of prison cells are subject to no restraints relating to reasonableness or probable cause. However, in Safford Unified School District v. Reading, 2009, the court ruled that school officials violated the Fourth Amendment when they strip-searched a student based only on another student's claiming to have received drugs from her. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.